counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply, then you, lovely person, are in the right place. Because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hi and welcome back. And if it's your first time here, it's really great that you found us. Now, let me just ask you, how are you? And I mean, how are you really? Because, do you know, we've been through such a rough few years. And as a therapist, as well as having all your own stuff to deal with, you also hold space for your clients. And, you know, let's not mince words here, because as much as I know that you love your job, this can sometimes be a really heavy weight to bear. Now, there's been a relentless amount of change and stress that we're all experiencing. So I wanted to share some resources with you. So I'm currently sharing four of the most popular self-care podcasts that I've published so far. Now, last week in episode 117, I shared a podcast about how to stay productive even on low energy days. So if you're anything like me, where, you know, I have days where I can take on the world and get loads done. And then I also have days where, you know, it feels like you're walking through treacle. If that sounds familiar, you know, go and take a listen to that after you've listened to this one. Now, this is also available in blog form. So if you prefer reading to listening, just hop on over to janetravis.co.uk slash 117. All of the podcasts that I'm producing at the moment, or at least the ones that are solo, just me, I'm also producing blogs to go with it. So you've got the choice of whether you want to read it or listen to it. And it's all on janetravis.co.uk. And then you just put slash and then the number of the episode that it is to go and find it. Anyway, enough about that. Then this week I'm resharing what was a hugely popular podcast with guest Charlie Hyde. Now, Charlie had suffered with burnout and I was just getting over a period of burnout. So we talked a lot about our own experience of this. We discussed how burnout is something that can creep up on you. And we looked at how important it is to know what some of the signs are so that you can then protect yourself. I think Charlie had got over her burnout. I was still getting coming through mine. So we both shared our own experiences of burnout along with some practical tips and ideas, like I say, to help to protect yourself. So we just discussed things like choices, recognizing our own needs, giving ourselves permission to do whatever it is that's needed without any guilt. So look, if you're starting to feel exhausted, if you are starting to feel like everything's becoming just a little bit harder than it used to be, then pull up a chair and take a listen and uh, hope that you'll find it useful. Right. So, Charlie, it's absolutely fantastic to have you here. I can't wait to have a bit more of a chat with you. And it's a subject that's so close to my heart. And I think so many people are struggling with issues around burnout recently. that I think it's something we, we could all do with talking about more. And obviously, the people listening to this are going to be therapists and counsellors. So there's a chance that this can help them recognize burnout within their work as well working with clients so it's kind of I think the more people can talk about it the better really so yeah so welcome aboard thank you very much it's a pleasure to be here this is the first time I've ever been on a podcast so fantastic yeah it's it's a new experience (laughs) so you've got your your um, YouTube video and Basically, you're trying to raise awareness around burnout. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience? Yeah, sure. So uh, I had a burnout in February of this year. That's when it kind of all came to a head. It really started in December, but I had buried my head nice and deeply into the sand, thinking, aha, taking on more work. This will solve the problem. (laughs) I know we said we'd do tips at the end, but maybe one tip now is, more work doesn't solve the problem. You might call that tip or you might call that glaringly obvious. But eventually you kind of got to a point in, in February where I went, you know what, I, I actually can't. It was only can I not take on any more work. I don't think I can do any work now. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up taking complete, complete break 
And initially it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with my time? But once I painted my house with a tiny paintbrush, actually it was quite nice to stop and just sit and then kind of reflect and really take things at your own pace. Because I think when you're experiencing burnout, you can feel like everything is on top of you and mm. all overwhelming, actually taking a break and saying, well, what do I want to do today? And then doing that thing and getting outside a bit mm. more and... And actually that that really, really helps. And then I started reading lots of books and reading lots of stuff. And then I kind of had these ideas about, oh, I wish I'd known that before I thought about that. And so then when I kind of felt strong enough just to kind of get myself back into pr- some productivity, I wrote a vlog about the three things I'd learned from burnout. And uh, that's had something like 8,000 views. It's been published in a magazine. And I've had so many people reach out about it that I thought, well, actually, we should continue the conversation. It shouldn't just be a one-off activity. So I wrote some more blogs, but then I started a YouTube video, uh, sorry, a YouTube channel, because it was a bit easier to kind of talk to the camera. And and it was, in a way, it's almost a form of therapy. Um, that it kind of, by producing content that you want to be useful to others, it forces you to think things through in your own mind and get clarity yourself. Mm-hmm. And I must have had maybe 50, 100 conversations all off the back of the YouTube videos about burnout, about recovering from burnout and how you kind of recover your career and get back onto the career um, track if that's what you want to do after burnout. Mm. I'm listening to you and it, it sounds so familiar what you're talking about because obviously I'm going to tell you a bit, bit about my experience, but it's that feeling of it's like being on a treadmill, but the treadmill's going so fast it almost feels impossible yeah, get off that treadmill and you've got a great big rucksack on your back, back, yeah. back as well. And you just kind of, I think it is, for me, it was a bit of a coping strategy with COVID. I'm saying that when I was just, you know, before I started talking to you, I did a, a few notes about my story and it's very, very similar to yours. Mine started some time ago and I can see now with the benefit of hindsight, I can see that I was gradually grinding down and grinding... And COVID kind of was a catalyst because basically when when lockdown happened, I wanted to be there for my members. So I basically threw myself into supporting my members, really, and doing all that I could for them. And like I say, now looking back, I can see that that was a real coping strategy because being busy with work meant that I didn't have to. I got respite from the terror that was out there. So I was really, the truth was, I was really scared in COVID because I'm asthmatic. I have a bit of a, I've got high blood pressure, a bit of a dicky ticker and I'm overweight. So I was, I kind of convinced myself that if I caught it, I would die. Now that didn't come out like logically, but in the back of my head, it was like people that are dying are people like you. And it was like, it's real serious stuff. This is not messing about, is it? And I think I, the more I threw myself into work, the more I could shut that up. Is yeah. that what it was like for you? Like all those little little things in the back of your head? Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because I think, I mean, work is a coping mechanism. Like, is it, if, if, I, if I had a tagline to my life, I think that would probably be it. <laughs> work is a coping mechanism. I, and you're absolutely right. For me, it's it slightly different in that uh, it, work was a coping mechanism throughout COVID. It kind of worked for me right up till sort of December. And we have to, because we have to take a break because our, our clients need us to take a break over Christmas. I was taking the, the two weeks off and it got to like the 18th of December and I, I was actually in a really good place in my career and I didn't want to lose the momentum. Yeah, yeah. So instead of taking the break, which is what everyone's supposed to do and what everyone does because it's Christmas and nobody is working, I said, I'm not going to take a break because I might, I was so scared that I wouldn't get back on the treadmill. Yes. Never get off the treadmill. And what this actually did was went the treadmill went faster and faster, and I fell on my face uh, a couple of months later. But I kind of said, "No, I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep work, like working through um, Christmas." And then I, I, there's a, I'm into cycling, and there's this challenge called Rafa Festive 500. You have to cycle 500 kilometers between uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve for no good purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the fun of it. I need a challenge to keep this momentum up. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and what I, even though I would hate it almost every day of it, what I should have done just stopped and said, you know what, I don't like this. I'm just going to stop and take the break that we was all here to take. I aggressively pushed through it. I was like, no, 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 no. We need to do this. Otherwise, we won't get back on the treadmill when we come back to work. I mean, is that logical? Absolutely not logical at all. There's no, no 
conversation between those sentences. And then what I then found was once I finished the challenge, I felt absolutely nothing because I'd hated all of it anyway. And I didn't even feel relief because it was just the whole thing was very pointless. You didn't get anything for completing the challenge other than I don't know what. So yeah, then work came back and I'm like, yeah, but I'm still tired from this stupid cycling thing I've done. And then I just couldn't get back into it. Yeah. And if only, only I had actually stopped and taken the break over over Christmas, I, I, I didn't know it would have happened. So isn't that interesting that you kept going because there was almost that fear that if you stop, you won't be able to start again. But in actual fact, by keeping going, you yeah. were finding it hard to get started again anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's really ironic. Yeah. It's funny because obviously people that listen to this are counsellors and as an ex-counsellor, what I used to get often in the counselling room was a, a fear that people would either get angry or cry and once it started coming out, it would just come out and be overwhelming and it, it'd never be able to be, they'd never be able to stop that feeling. And it's almost like a, a version of that, that if yeah. I stop, then I, I'll never, ever start again. It's like an all or nothing, all or nothing thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely nail on the head. Yeah, oh, it's it's amazing, isn't it? So, so there were signs for me when I had it, little little signs that sort of started to show that often you just you disregard, don't you? Yeah, and I think I mean we were chatting before about this. You kind of disregard because you tell yourself that you're you should be able to do it and you just been yeah. silly and all the rest of it. But it was my, it was the anniversary for the membership. It was back in May and it'd been going, I think four years. And I was going to have a zoom party for members and have a little few games and have a bit of fun. And when it came down to it, I just couldn't face it. Mm-hmm. And I canceled it, which is not like me, you know, cause well, it's just not like me. And I just, I don't know. And then what I did is I did this big promotion. In June, it was, I did this big promotion. I'd worked really hard for it. I'd planned to do a two-hour workshop for online events. I I did a five-day challenge, like this big free five-day challenge. So I was doing, you know, five days worth of activities for people. I did a new annual membership for the for the membership. I did, redid the big foundation course. And I did this, this was all <laughs> done, like within a space of four weeks. I had to sort of, and that kind of tipped me over the edge. It was like, right, this is this is it now. So that was the catalyst that made me sort of go, oh, my God, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And I had no alternative then. So that, that choice to step back was taken away from me because I just didn't feel that I could do anything. I mean, was that how it was for you? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that actually there's a very similar path that we've, we've both had. I've run a group of graduates within within Accenture and we were having a, a kind of COVID connect to help people kind of feel still connected to the organisation. It was all cameras on the party and I was initially trying to get away with not turning my camera on. And then it, like we all had to in the end because we were doing some group activity. And by the end of the hour's call, like I literally had to go to bed. I'm so yeah. tired. I'm just turning my camera on. And talking to people, I was like, oh, this yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah. It's not normally me at all. Rather, you know, life is all the party, sign me up, my stand-up comics, sign me up. Um, <laughs> but no, you got to the end and I was like, oh my gosh, I just have to turn everything off. Sit very quietly in a nice, quiet yeah. room and just let the potato rest for five minutes. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I, I, mean, I kind of realised and it wasn't. Then it was like that every time. And every time I've got a ping from somebody, be like, oh my gosh, how long can I get away with not responding to this for? Yeah. Every time yeah. an email came in, I'm like, oh no, no emails, no people, no communication. Yeah. yeah. I can't say that word on the podcast. Please go away. And I kind of realized that, and I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll try and take on some more work so that I am too busy to respond to people. But then I just couldn't really get motivated. <laughs> that sounds like a really sensible. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually what I'm going to do. Uh, and then I thought, well, what I'll try and do is, is to take on some more work. I'm too busy to talk to people. But then what actually happened is I then couldn't get the motivation to start yeah. doing the work. And then I thought, well, I actually just need some more pressure to make me feel the pressure. But then the deadline just came whizzing by and it would not be done and I didn't care and that's again not like me yeah I've, yeah I've, I've I love my job I love the company I work for I love what I do 
So just letting things slide and not caring and not even telling somebody, yeah, I'm not going to get that thing done. Like, no. Totally out of character. Yeah, yeah exactly. I thought, well, I have to change something. I tried changing all other things before I took a step off completely. Like I tried working, I tried taking on less. I tried giving more to my team. I tried taking on more. I tried giving less to my team and taking on more. And nothing, nothing else was working. And normally, mm. like if I've had a busy day or had a rough day or I'm feeling a bit brain foggy, I can yeah. go, for, go for a run and I'll feel yeah. better. And I was doing this, and not only was I not feeling better, I was feeling worse. I'm like, yeah. Okay, yeah. I have to change something. Yeah. The only thing left to change. Like, I, there's no point in me trying to go part time because I would do five days work in two days. And so actually, yeah, I wouldn't achieve anything, which is why. When I came back to work, I came back straight banging at five days rather than a phased return. Because I said to, to our HR, if I come in as a phased return, I'm going to do five days and three days. Then when I come back and do five days, I'm going to expect myself to do eight days. In yeah, yeah. And this whole cycle is going to start again. Yeah. I'd rather come back at five days and set some boundaries. I need some space to, to get back into it. Then I'm going to come back part time and then it feels and goes. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that as our, our coping mechanism is to give ourselves more and more. And it's that difference, isn't it, between a healthy challenge, because I love a good challenge. Yeah. I love starting at zero and growing. Yeah. You know, I love that. That's what drives me. I absolutely adore the challenge of, you know, starting with nothing and turning it into something. That's that's yeah. my, that's me. But when I was feeling burnt out, everything was just like, everything felt like pressure and everything felt like bad pressure and everything yeah. felt like too much. And I literally wanted to turn my back on everything. And the thing that worked for me is, I mean, I think it's different because you you're in an employed position. So you were able to take a bit of time off, which is, which is great, but obviously being self-employed, you, you can't necessarily, I mean, sometimes you can, it depends, doesn't it? But for a lot of us, yeah. you can't just take time off. Yeah. So that means that you've got to kind of navigate yes. what you can do and what you can't do. So for me, I kind of, I took a massive step back and I thought about, right, what do I, what exactly do I have to absolutely do? Yeah. And for me, it's like, right, I need to keep my essentials going. I need to look after my members. I need to do my workshops. I need to do this podcast, but I don't need to do anything extra. So I cancelled a workshop that I was supposed to be doing for somebody else. And I just, I just zombied out in front of the yeah. telly for a long time and it was kind of you know like you say you you said that you'd sit and just stare and I kind of did that yeah I had to have a telly in front of me that I was staring at but I kind of didn't feel able to do anything but the downside of that was in my head I was going oh god you're just being so lazy yes. you could be doing things yes all of that yeah that is very relatable yeah you you feel it's interesting I've been working with a business coach because I'm all setting my own business and I'm working with a coach and I was getting the number of steps like you say right from creating nothing to something is huge especially at the beginning and I was just looking at this mountain of tasks going oh my goodness me how are we going to do all this and she went yeah but if you if it was your employee and you said you haven't done anything you need to do more no you're not allowed to sit down and watch half an hour of TV. You've got to work harder. If you said that to an employee, they would turn around and say to you, again, can't say that specifically. <laughs> <laughs> but we know the word. <laughs> yes, they would tell you where they where to go. And actually, it's your brain. Like it's your brain being the employee. It's your brain doing that. It's your brain saying, No, I'm not having any of that nonsense. And so it's your brain revolting against yourself. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes now when I find myself going, why are you sitting here? Why are you reading a book? Um, why are you watching the telly? You then go, yeah, but hang on. If you said that to an em- if you said to that an em- to an employee, yeah, they turn around and tell you where to stick it. Yeah, yeah. The answer is yes, and actually you've been too hard on yourself. Yeah. So it's as with everything, it's about finding that balance mm-hmm. and. And not being too hard on yourself. I think we're so good at being hard on ourselves. I mean, like I say, you know, the, the people that are listening are going to be counsellors and psychotherapists. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's really difficult. It's been difficult through the lockdown, especially because it's literally their job 
to sit with people and hold that space and be there for them. But not just that. I mean, I think, you know, most counsellors and therapists are okay with that because that is a boundary thing that they do. But outside of work, they're having to, you know, they're having to look after their kids and homeschool and everything else. So although they're okay with the whole, you know, listening to people and, and holding that space, that would normally be, a, you know, their normal life. Within lockdown, it became more things that yeah. they had to then look after. Yeah. And I think that as counsellors and anybody that's in the helping industry, you really want to help people. And you have this real tendency to just, just keep going regardless yeah. because you, you've driven to help people. And that means that you put yourself second very often and then you put yourself at risk, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think we talked before as well about the second word is fatigue. I can't remember what it what compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue, yeah. yeah I yeah. think that's that is exactly what you what you're describing there. Um and I think it's I suppose as a consultant, it's difficult to to relate to that specifically because we're solving slightly different problems for our clients. But you're you're right in the sense that that requirement to be present when that is kind of boundary time and it's, you know, if you like, there's an implicit agreement that this is the boundary time in which we will be present and, and do this thing. But then if if the edges of that start to bleed and the activities that previously were not in that boundary become in that boundary, yeah. like caring for children or your, your pets or whatever for more than, or some kind of caring for a loved one, more than was previously because of the intensity of lockdown. Yeah. Suddenly what you're doing is you're putting that home responsibility into the boundary of your work and so suddenly your yeah. home life feels like your work and you treat it and approach it like your work and then you look and go around and go okay so when that's finished what's left yeah you've now just treated everything like work so nothing feels like not work yeah. then your brain goes oh my god I don't know we can cope with this yeah yeah absolutely so I mean obviously we've come through the first wave of the whole lockdown we've had two horrible years and we we've all had our own stories we've all got our own we've all got our own stories there but now we've kind of reached we're in this different phase aren't we and i think there's almost this feeling that right we're through it and of course we're not how do you think this might show up now in this slightly different phase yeah i i think there's mixed things on people going into the offices people meeting up i think there's there's this tension between you want to feel included in the stuff that's going on. But if you don't feel comfortable with with either going to an office or going to a party or, you know, going to dinner or whatever, whether that's because of the the uh, location of where the actual event is or if it's actually the travel. Like, for me, I, I'm okay once I'm there, but, like, the travel in between, I'm a bit like, oh, there's a lot of people in quite a small space. Yeah, yeah. And you don't see that many people wearing masks these days and, you know, it's actually that bit in between, but you don't want to miss out. So it's that tension between and that balance between you need to protect yourself and you're protecting yourself is as much kind of uh, your mental health as it is your physical health, but you don't want to feel miss, like you're missing out because then you could become isolated and then actually in a way lockdown never ends yeah. because you've just isolated yourself from socially and so the cycle continues. Yeah. But... I think as well, there's also once you are, I think it's I, there's a specific term for it. I think something like social burnout or when people can suddenly see each other again and you, you sign up for, oh yeah, we haven't seen each other for ages. And then suddenly you're going out for four nights and you're going to have dinner with somebody or you go for a walk, you're meeting up with people and actually you've gone from nothing yeah. to now we're all suddenly seeing people face to face. And it is a lot more intense because you, that requirement to be present is, is so much more. And then you, I mean, I, I find that if I've done a day in the office or I've, I've gone to kind of meet people physically, I get to the end that I'm really tired when I get home. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's using a different bit of your brain than you've ever been used to. So if you go too hard on that too early, you you go back to, oh, I just want to shut the world out. Just please will go away. Yeah, yeah. Bed, go away. And you kind of back where we started. yeah. Because the anxiety hasn't finished, has it? The anxiety hasn't stopped. We're still still seeing stuff on the news about what could happen in the future. We've got all the rest of the news, all the rest of the, we don't want to think about the rest of the news, but there's always going to be 
there's always bad things going on. So it always feels like, oh my God, that's why I I just watch the news headlines these days. Yeah. And then I don't watch anymore because yeah. it's just too much. That's me trying to protect myself because ultimately you can't do anything, can you? You can't really do anything. But yeah, it's changed us. So for me as an introvert, I mean, I'm a massive introvert. I'm practically a hermit. So yeah. lockdown wasn't wasn't too hard in the isolation for me because I, I revel in isolation. So coming out of lockdown and then being around people again. So that then becomes a little bit stressful because it's, it's re-, re Oh, it's kind of coming up to speed with the world again, isn't yeah. it? It's kind of coming up. And the world you know, that won't, isn't going to be the same as it was before because I guess it can't be. So it's like a different world. And, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. I've yeah, got a little bit of a... I was thinking it's a bit like if, if you're playing football and then you're halfway through a game and then all of a sudden the rules got changed and now they're shouting new rules at you whilst you're still trying to play the game. Yeah, and they change the rules every five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and suddenly the landscape is changing or, you know, or if, if the actual pitch was to suddenly change, suddenly a bit of sand appeared and suddenly a, a river appeared in the middle and oh, there became a hill and, like, all of this is changing whilst you're still trying to play the yeah. game. Yeah. And this is as much kind of rules and regulations around COVID but also actually social rules and actually what is socially acceptable and how do people speak to each other now when they've not been able to do so or they've been doing it through Zoom, but how do you how do you navigate that socially? Is for a lot of people something you've not had to think about before, but now yeah. you do have to think about it because it has changed. Yeah. Or trying to understand what are the rules. And that's quite a tiring activity to to do that. I think it's just around kind of taking that, understanding what your pace is that you're comfortable with and taking it at that and not feeling an obligation to kind of push the pace beyond what you're comfortable with. Yeah. That's the word, isn't it? Obligation. Sometimes we do things out of obligation. So maybe it's about understanding ourselves, understanding our own boundaries, understanding our own wants and needs and learning how to respect those. Yeah. And it's funny because I was was, uh, laughing with some some colleagues yesterday that I remember we we were somewhere and it got to 10 o'clock and somebody said, um, so shall we order another round of drinks? No, it's 10 o'clock. It's really bedtime. Bedtime. What are you talking about? <laughs> Ten o'clock is bedtime. What? Right? But I want to order more drinks. So I should be in my pajamas right now. <laughs> I should never have left them. Um, <laughs> and actually, those kind of rules change. I I got back. You know, I got back home. You said half past ten. I was like, gosh, very late. But whereas in the past, I'd been like, oh, half past ten. But that's now, thing. yeah, that's early. That's late yes yeah yeah exactly. i should have had my bra off hours ago <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think uh i usually wait till after dessert for that uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I ordered a panic order but not for that reason <laughs> uh, but uh i don't know if you can include that in a podcast i'm sure we can <laughs> <laughs> um but it's actually kind of understanding like your frame of reference has changed so what is early to me now is different to before and what is late to me now is different to before. And I kind of get, if it gets about 10 o'clock and I haven't like left whatever social engagement I'm at, I'm starting to get a bit twitchy now. But I think it's also around understanding that you have a choice and empowering yourself to have a choice. Like it's okay if you're not having fun and, if, and you're not enjoying it anymore. It is okay to say, thank you very much. I've got to leave now. Goodbye. Yeah. And if you don't want to say, I've got to leave because, make up some excuse because then you spend time being guilty about the fact you've lied about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just get up and say, Thank you very much. I've got to leave now. Goodbye. And then you leave. And then you've had fun because you've called it a day when you've stopped having fun. And everybody else is still having fun because you're not being dilly downer, being going, being big boo now with a cup of tea. So actually everybody's a winner off the back of that. Do you think people are getting more do you think the lockdown has helped people to recognize the people that they want in their lives and the ones that are ha- they're happy to allow to just disappear a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think it it, it changes dynamics a yeah. little bit. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, if, if, if a relationship was in the wrong, or a friendship relationship was in the wrong place before, like you were seeing each other maybe too much out of, like you say, right, obligation, but... You weren't really getting anything out of it. But now you're seeing each other less. We're talking to each other less. 
But when you do speak, you do meet up, you actually end up getting more out of it than you were before. Yeah. So I think it's a kind of a place for a bit of a place for everything. And maybe things sort of found their their order a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think we've all had friendships that have just carried on just because. Yeah. yeah. That we, you know, we've all probably had friends where we're exhausted after we see them because they do nothing but talk about themselves yeah. or they're just really just bring everything down or yeah. the sort of friendships that that probably do just need to fade away. Yeah. Maybe it's been a chance to have a bit of a clear out like that. Yeah, absolutely. And in a way, like you don't have to feel like, you know, you're, you're imposed, you're, you're the bad person, right? It fades away because, ah, oh, COVID lockdown. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah. No one actually has to say, actually, I find you quite boring. Chance <laughs> never meet again. <laughs> You oh just God, can you imagine? Oh, God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? My goodness. Oh, God. If you imagine, well, I think it would be a better place. If someone turned around and said, it's very boring. I'd never like to meet you again. Thank you very much. Thank you for being on. Oh, that would be awful. No, that would, oh, no. They'd have to be polite about it. They'd have to say, what would they have to say? They'd just have Same to say, <laughs> That it just carry on forever, yeah. Maybe, maybe it would be better to just be a little bit more truthful. <laughs> so, so given that I, I think that I think that burnout is really prevalent. Yeah. But I think that we don't either recognise it, acknowledge it, or I think one of the things with burnout is that sometimes it's not taken seriously. I think some people think that it's just being tired. And it's not. It's so much more than that, isn't it? I had Howard Baldgarden come talk to us in episode 58. It was all about compassion fatigue and burnout. Um, It was specifically for therapists. He's a therapist. And it was a really, really good episode. And we were talking about, I mean, the first thing is compassion fatigue. I'd got completely wrong. I thought compassion fatigue was where you struggle to be empathetic to your clients anymore. And it's not that. He was saying that compassion fatigue is when you start taking on too much you know how we talked about how you take on more and more and more and more and once you get to the point of taking on more and more and more then you reach the point of burnout yeah and then if you don't start looking after yourself then the burnout tips over into depression yeah so burnout isn't something about just being a bit tired it's something that's it's really important to a start recognizing are you taking on more and more and more and then if you are taking on more and more and more how can you recognize that this is burnout and how important it is to to basically stop so I suppose the question really is if you're struggling with burnout if you're at that point where you're you've taken on so much and you've got into that treadmill and now you're at a point of exhaustion what can you do to help yourself at that point without that brain kicking in and sort of telling yourself off for being lazy or stupid because last week you could do it. Why can't you do it now? And and that sort of negative mindset. Yeah. I think it's what you've just said is, is so important. I think the reason there's so much, the lines so blurred around them is because they are, they are blurred. I mean, I would, I would say that, depression is not about feeling sad it's about the absence of feeling it is it is almost as though you want a helicopter view wanting out of body experience it's a helicopter view and you can't quite connect like you're looking at the world through a fishbowl and you can't quite connect you can see the fish you can touch the glass but you can't like feel the water and you can't interact with the fish i chose to step out at the time when it was tipping into that for me yeah, yeah. and there was a very very fine line between burnout and that and I I'm still to this day not convinced that I could I could truly step away before that point again yeah Uh, for me I I I, if I'm starting to feel like pretty overwhelmed but I will set a time where I am just going to disconnect and turn everything off and and just have that like me time to watch or do whatever you want to do and I will schedule time to do that ostensibly for booking I go Charlie how do you do all this stuff Right, and I go well because I schedule time for work, and I schedule time to relax, yeah. and time you you then look forward to the time that you're going to spend relaxing, 
and you you set that as almost intentionally unproductive time. Yeah. Because that brings more productivity in the long term. Yeah. It's almost the, the fact that you're doing, you have it like diarised really, means that it's not unproductive. There's a reason to it. It's like, right, I'm going to do nothing because I need to relax. Yeah. And that gives it a reason. So yeah. therefore you're less likely to fight against it. Yeah, actually, that's a really... I hadn't thought about it until you said it like that. But yes, you, you're absolutely right. You know, you feel like you are... Like you've earned it. And yes. I, I've not always a big fan of this kind of earned it things. People are like, oh, I did this thing, so I'm going to have a piece of cake. I earned it. It's not... I, I'm not a big fan of thinking like that in general. But I think in this specific context, that being able to kind of yin and yang, I'm going to have this time of really productive work and that's going to make me feel better. I think one of the things I, I struggled with when I when I was approaching burnout is you do too many things at once or you work in front of the telly. That, so I try never to do this because then what you're saying to your brain is, I'm going to ask you to relax with the telly and I'm going to ask you to work here <laughs> at the same time. I'm going to ask you to do the same things at the same time. And it's exactly like you said about the boundaries between homework, life, uh, work, work, yeah, blurring. Exactly the same here. The relaxing time and the working time get blurred. Yeah. And especially, you know, if you're all in the same it's all in the same room, like my desk is in my living room. Suddenly it all just becomes a bit messy. So for me, it's about understanding what the boundaries are, drawing them and say, okay, this is the time for, for work. And this is the time for not. Yeah. Don't necessarily regularly schedule it in the sense like it's not like every Tuesday, but it's when you identify, okay, I feel like I might need a break. Fine. Yeah. Set a, set a date where you're going to take a proper break and then you can actually enjoy it more. Because you're not going, oh, but I feel really guilty because I didn't really work properly. Therefore, yeah, I can't yeah. relax properly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the more that you can put something in your diary that's to do with, it's it's basic work-life balance, isn't it? Really, yeah. When it all comes yeah. down to it, it's yeah, basic yeah. work-life balance. So I work, from, I work in my kitchen diner, so it's always set up for work here, but I can shut the door on it and I, I try not to, I do sometimes, I have to say, but I try not to work in my living room and I no longer work in the evenings because there was a time I worked in the evening. I do sometimes work at the weekend, but it's quite specific if I do. It's usually because I need to get something recorded for a a podcast. So I have my boundaries in place a lot more about um, the work that I do. And I also try to, I mean, I've talked about this a lot. I take myself out to work. I mean, this is, but I take myself out. So I'm not in the same four walls. I'll take a pad. I'll go for a coffee and a slice of cake and I'll do some writing there. And there's something about that that just helps to get out of that treadmill because when I'm sitting here to work, it's all about work. I mean, I'm still writing, but it makes my job more pleasant. It's like, it's about doing it on my terms and that really, really helps me. That yep. that's a really that's something that really helps me. Because again, I'm I'm out and amongst people and yeah, away from the four walls. Yeah, you you're right. And I think this is one of the things that I mean, obviously going back to the office is all very mixed and you know, people have different opinions of it. I've done a little bit of going back to the office. And what I do find is normally in the afternoon, about two, three o'clock, we all get it, right? A bit of a sag in the afternoon and I I sort of Look at that sofa over there. And I think, yeah, yeah. I could break my not working on the sofa in front of the telly roll. It's only, it's only 100 metres away. But actually, when you're in the office and you kind of see other people working, you're like, oh, no, actually, I should work. Or, you know, you find yourself not getting distracted. Oh, I wonder if uh, Sainsbury's have any new events. Or, oh, I've been thinking of getting a new coffee machine or whatever. And, and you find yourself getting less distracted. And it helps you to kind of draw those those boundaries like actually switching up the environment and getting yeah. out is 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 great and it's just yeah. such a good way of just changing your your whole wine beer yeah. yeah. and something that i've just done i've just been away with my dog just been yeah. and my holly dog holly bobs with my dog and we yeah. went to an airbnb for a couple of nights yeah. and we could go to the coast and it was wonderful it wasn't very expensive but i've kind of made a bit of a pact with myself that every quarter i'm going to go away even if it's one night and I was thinking about this because, of course, I mean, this is something about how much money we've got because I was able to do this, which is fantastic. Not everybody can. Yeah. But there are ways that you can do it on a budget. You know, you could go and visit a friend that lives away or you could go yeah. and just take a day out. You know, there's there's ways that you can do it. And I think it's about 
diarising it, like, yeah. like we were saying, put it in your diary and, and make it something there that's specially for you yeah. and don't cross it out. Write it in pen. Make it that, right, that's not changeable. That's something that you're definitely going to do. And again, you know, learning about what is the thing that helps you? What is something that helps to build yeah. you back up again? So for some people, it could be art. For some people, it could be meditation. Journaling can help. Yeah. Think, right, okay, when I'm, if I'm not working, what can I do that's just for me, that's going to give me that thing yeah. that's going to, you know, mindfulness, it's, it's about mindfulness, I guess. It's about finding things to do that help you to, let go of the world, but isn't about throwing yourself into work. It's a different way of doing it that's going to be hopefully a bit more positive than that. Yes, I, I completely agree. I think there's a perception that mindfulness is you're sitting with your legs crossed, you're sitting like this, and and you, I'm sure this is a podcast, and hand gestures is completely unhelpful. But, you know, it, you is it's about some sitting in a quiet room and, and just thinking or like using guided meditation. And, and there are people for whom that works, and that's great. For me, I've never connected with it because it's still too long enough for like I just get distracted enough and guilty about having been distracted from it. So it's about finding what is mindful for you. And that can be as simple as colouring in. Yeah. Actually, when I, uh, I went through burnout, I must have done maybe 200 Sudokus. And I don't even really notice I was doing them, but it's actually the the thinking about something else or, you know, um, colouring in, going for a walk. I, I used to never really understand why people would walk unless it was from a to be <laughs> but I did I did pick up walking a little bit and again it's something I like to do on my own like I like to walk on my terms where I want to go and I tend not to be like oh let's all go for a Sunday walk really fills me with dread but actually just at that time and I don't take my phone um and I just or if I if I do I keep it like deep in a pocket where I'm not tempted to pick it up and I just kind of walk and that's quite mindful like yeah Sometimes I can find that running is 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 mindful because you're focusing on breathing and you're focusing on not falling over. You're focusing on all sorts of on all sorts of things that is not anything else. And it, it's an I think exercise releases naturally endorphins. But there's that repetition as well, isn't there, with running? That yeah. repetition that can be very very soothing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. For a partner, it's swimming. It's exactly as you say, right? It's the it's the routine routine of the number one to breathe and you know actually it's it's very mindful so i think if you're looking if you're struggling with mindfulness it might not be it might be because you've not found the right way to do mindfulness for you personally yet and and my advice is like keep trying to find something like try yeah. different things because it doesn't have to just mean sit down quiet room intense kind yeah. of, and whatever i think as well giving yourself permission to literally just do nothing because what when i was really in it i literally couldn't do anything yeah. It's like my brain, it's like the switch in my brain had been turned off. And I literally would sit and watch, you know, binge watch Netflix. Yeah. And again, there was a part of my brain that's going off, oh, God's sake, you know, you're being so lazy, you could be doing all this stuff. But it felt like I just couldn't do anything. And I think for me, I've recognised that that's one of the ways that I switch off, that I will sit in front of the telly, I'll put Netflix on, I'll immerse myself into some sort of a box set. Yeah. And that's a break from having to think. And I think I think as kids we're brought up, you know, being you know watching telly is a bad thing, and sometimes it can be a good thing because it does provide some some escape when you need it. As long as you stop it at some point, <laughs> then that's okay. But just stopping, just taking a nap, just just doing nothing. There's sometimes we need to fill our time. It feels like we need to fill our time. What what happens if we just literally stop? And you just get, let our thoughts just come and go in our head. You know, there's there's the place for that, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, like you say, right, we're taught that watching telly is bad. I, I agree and disagree with it. So act of sitting down and watching telly is not bad. It's if you do it mindlessly and you're doing it without... So for me, it's all about using your time. is all about choosing what you do in the moment. And as long as you have, you are confident in the choice that you've made, then you should have no regret about it. Yeah. Like if you're sitting down and say, okay, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch TV because this is what I'm choosing to do. Rather than, you know, oh yeah, I'm, I'm an auto automaton, I, I, by pilot, I just sat down, sat down from the TV for the rest of the evening and like, and then you didn't yeah. 
you feel bad about it. It's like you've wasted your time if you if you, if you like you didn't choose what to yeah. do with it. So make it a conscious choice. That, yeah. Right. Okay. I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling, and what I want to do right now is to sit in front of the TV yes. and to just relax. Yeah. And just giving yourself permission. Yeah, and really like, being conscious and like making it an intention. Yes. For for what you're doing, like. I used to do a bit of, a bit of yoga. I, I've struggled to kind of keep up with it, but I kind of like the idea at the beginning. They always say like, yeah, set the intention for the practice. And I, I also do this like when I sit down in a work block, I'll sit down and say, okay, what is the intention for this practice? What is the thing I want to achieve by the end yeah, of it? Yeah. And the thing is, I do the same when it's sitting down and relaxing. Okay, what what form of relaxation do I, I want this to be? And what have yeah. I achieved at the end of it? Is it to feel more relaxed than I feel now? Or is it to feel energised by yes. it? Yeah. Like going out for a walk, as identified, is relaxing, but more energising at yeah. the end. Whereas at TV, like I'm actually like, increasing state of relaxation, bordering on the horizontal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a, a book, right? That that could be, do either, depending on what you're reading and baking or whatever, you know. Yeah. As long as you making a conscious choice instead of your conscious intention. Yeah. So it's really down to recognizing what your needs are. It's the same old thing, isn't it? What are my needs right now? Do I need to relax? Do I need to recharge? Do I need to nurture? Do I need to energize? What yes. am I feeling? When you know what you need, then you can do it. And that stops you then going into that automatic, the automatically doing something, which then doesn't give you what you need necessarily. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I see this so many, so many times when people kind of do stuff because they feel like they want to, or they are just kind of following the crowd. I see so many sheep. Yeah. I know I've just been in Yorkshire, but I really do see a lot of sheep. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but people kind of go through the motions of doing something because this is what people do, right? Oh yeah, I finished my work day. I'm just going to see everyone on the TV, and like as long as that's the conscious choice you've made, that's fine. It's, it's that cognitive dissonance that comes when you you don't feel like you you've made the choice. You kind of done it, but there's something else, and, and yeah. that's you struggle to rec- to reconcile that. Yeah. And you sometimes you sit there and say, "Well, I've started watching the program now." But that's the beauty of TV. If you were having fun, right, it's exactly the same as if you were enjoying an evening with friends, and now you're not enjoying it. You get up and leave. You do it politely, but you get up and leave. Exactly the same with if you were watching TV or reading book. I was enjoying that activity. I'm no longer enjoying that activity. Yeah. I just stopped doing it. Yeah, because I'm a grown-up and I can choose. Yeah, it's completely that's exactly up it. to me. Yeah, yeah, it's about, yeah. We, in lockdown, so many choices got taken away from us. And I think in a way we've, we've almost felt, I've certainly felt very powerless over the time. You can only exit, you can only do this, you can only do that, you can't do this, can't go here, you must do it like that. That you can't go, well, stuff it. Can I make any choices in my life now? Tell you what, why don't somebody else decide what I'm going to have for my dinner? And it's, it's about bringing those kind of micro choices. Like, you are the boss of your own line and bringing that back. I am saying this in the privileged position of not having any children or dependents that require me to support them. So I I know that if you've got kids, like this, this is probably easy for me to say. But I think you can bring them in, like, micro, micro choices. Yeah. I think that I think that's a brilliant place to stop, actually, because really what we're doing, what you're saying there is, and, and what we're sort of looking at is it's all about getting to know ourselves. It's all about yeah. recognizing our own needs. And it's all about ch- choice. Yes. It's all about recognizing what's happening and then making a choice of what's the best thing for you to do at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you can do that, you then check in to how you're feeling. And that's when you can start to recognise, oh, maybe I am a bit a bit heading towards burnout or maybe, oh, crap, I've got a problem and yeah. I need to take some more yeah. action. Yeah. And by doing that, but it also is the same the same thing that will take you to recognising if you're experiencing burnout in these changing times is the same thing that will also help you cure the burnout. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Charlie, I've really loved talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm sure everybody else will have found it really fascinating as well. Um, it's I, It really does all come down to choice and boundaries, doesn't it? It always does. It comes down to choice, awareness and boundaries. And the more that we can do that, the better, really. Yeah. 
So what's the best place for people to find you? Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your podcast? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on YouTube. I'm today years old. I don't know. I'll give you a link. And... I'll, put, I'll put a link below. So if you listen to this, there'll be a link around somewhere. Brilliant. Uh, thank you. And uh, I've also set up a new business called Networther, which is all about, it's a fintech business. So you can find me on there. If you're a Sunday Times reader, you might have actually recognised me from the Sunday Times I was in last Sunday. Really? Wow. Uh, I, was, uh, I was in the money section about uh, investing student loans. So you might, I might look a familiar face. So if you are lobbing tomatoes at your screen. So yeah, I, you can reach out to me through, through the website, you can reach out to me through YouTube. You can reach out to me through LinkedIn and I will always chat to everyone. And yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. Perfect. I'll put all those links below. Thank you so brilliant. much, Charlie. It's been fantastic. I always enjoy talking to you. Hopefully I'll talk to you again soon. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jane. So there you are. I really do hope that this helps you. And if you think that you're heading towards burnout, remember choice, awareness and boundaries are, as always, the watchwords. Now, as I've said, I've shared links to Charlie so that you can go and connect with her. And there's also some great resources on her YouTube channel, which is called Today Years Old. And that includes actually an interview that I did with her for Stress Awareness Day. And I'll put a link to that, you know, around this recording somewhere. And also, I just want to say that, you know, in the Grow Your Private Practice membership, yes, we look at how to grow your practice. But really, the focus is very much about support. It's about helping each other. It's about, you know, getting to meet other peers. So if you could do with a little bit of extra support, then, you know, come along and see what it's like for yourself. All right. So take really good care of yourself this week. And next week, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about burnout. But I'll be looking at compassion fatigue and burnout because I'm going to share... Again, it was a really, really popular podcast that I did with somebody called Howard Borgarden. And he is a therapist. He's a public speaker who talks about burnout. And he's also written a private practice book. And he came along and he talked a lot about compassion, fatigue and burnout. So I'm going to be sharing that with you next week. So keep an eye out for that. So look, look after yourself and, you know, take it easy. Don't take on too much. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye.